May the fourth be with you as well as other fantasy baseball related things that we will cover tonight. In addition to my humor, we are going to talk about all sorts of listener questions, all sorts of topical things. Episode 158, which is really close to Clint Frazier's average and really close to Ruggie Odor's average. It's time for Dinger. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Whoa, what is happening? Welcome to Dingers, the only fancy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Jesse Winker that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined again by Robbie Baseball One and special guest, Jonathan Mason, who's with us tonight. This is awesome because it's the first time we've, we've done the record in the video and I screw my own name up. So many times, so many times in the audio only. So it's so great <laughs> that everyone gets to see that. It's the best. So Jonathan, welcome to the show. Show uh, we're going to intro Jonathan. We've fully shifted our the way we're going to record our podcast because Zoom keeps screwing up. So we've recorded an episode with Jonathan. We're going to restart the intro. Jonathan is the founder of the Toronto Blue Jays fan club on Clubhouse. Um, as you are all well aware, we are huge Blue Jays homers, and so we've naturally befriended Jonathan. We are members of, of this group, and we help Jonathan uh, do some things when we can uh, over there on Clubhouse. So, Jonathan, welcome to the show on the audio side, and now the video in crystal clear HD. Yes, thank you for having me, Ty, Robbie. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, meeting you guys on Clubhouse has been definitely one of the joys of the tail end of this pandemic experience. I think the first time we spoke to each other was the evening of the George Springer signing. So look how far we have come. And I think it's it's nice to chat with you guys about the team um, and, you know, the baseball world in general. And I will say, I think the thing that makes me most proud is being a Vladdy Jr. fantasy owner <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's that's phenomenal robbie was a fan of vladdy owner i also was a vladdy owner robbie do you still have any shares of vladdy anywhere i have one left in a keeper a f- uh, 12 12 team keeper uh where you have first second and third and then they have to be one of five keepers so i think vladdy's a third I don't remember. Uh, we didn't play last year, so he might be a second. But that's the only Vladdy share, non-redraft, that I've got. Well, and I had to get rid of mine because the offer was just too good. I got Matt Olson, uh, Luis Castillo, James Paxton, unfortunately, destroyed his elbow, uh, and you Darvish back. So that was a oh. trade that I could not say no to. Oh, yeah, right. That was in our Real Money Auction League. That was the money dump from uh, Mark, the Dodger owner, right? That's right. Yeah. And then so, like two weeks into the season, he's like, who has baseball players? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. Which was phenomenal. I was happy to to take it on. I figured Matt Olson was going to bounce back. He has. Um, and I needed pitching, right? That was the big depth issue with that roster was pitching. And, you know, it, because it's the eight to eight, eight by eight format, 
pitching matters, pitching plays. And in the short schedule, the way that league is set up, I actually think pitching is a significant advantage over the hitters. So uh, I, I really liked that strategy, especially with all the injuries we've seen this year. Um, and, and I think we can all attest to the pain around all of the injuries this year. And, and I think it leads us into the thing that we like to do to make up for it. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Poppin'. Yeah, I'm still sans bourbon, and I, I I have really classed it up this week uh, with the Coors Banquet. I, I you know in the first <laughs> I've classed it up. <laughs> Banquets are classy. Are you hitting from the tips at the golf course too, Ty? Whoa! <laughs> Sorry, do I hit from the tips? Well, you know you're drinking your banquet, so you got to go from the tips, right? You know what? I actually uh, drink I got a little. I got a little if you want still. Oh, I might, I might take that off your hands. Oh I wow, look at that! Like, a nice glass bottle there. <laughs> that's where the good advice comes from. That's not uh, where. That's not what I'm drinking. That's that's just so everybody knows. I'm showing some maker's yeah. mark. I'm not so, drinking that. <laughs> what episode was that that you tried that bottle? Was that the Alex that was, episode? That was the was first it? one that didn't work. Um, that was no, SP Streamer. Fast, was no, that was oh, Michael no, Simeone. Yeah, basically picture this. Like Robbie opens up his his bottle of bourbon and it's just basically had the five-year-old response like, ew, it's icky. Ugh. That's not how it was. It was <laughs> this tastes disgusting, and I don't want any of it. But tonight, tonight, not disgusting. We've got let's see. There we go. Um, the Brock Street Brewing Company's blonde ale. All natural. Um, these are dudes that started this up. What is it? Four friends uh, who started this up in 2015. Good for them for still rolling. 4.3%. And uh, I've got enough to get me through the episode. So, Jonathan, you're our guest. What yes. are you drinking? Yes, you know, I have to say, in the interest of full disclosure, I am speaking to you from the United States. So I'm almost always choosing from some sort of craft beer. Tonight, I have a fat tire amber ale. I'm, I'm enjoying it very Ooh, well. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually finding it going down quite smoothly. Um, it's from the new Belgium Brewing Company, um, which seems like it might be you know, a small craft brewery, but is very likely owned by Anheuser-Busch or, or Coors. <laughs> so I will uh, get back to you on that information, but this fat tire amber is going down very nicely. Why do I know that name? New Belgium is a fairly large brewer. Exactly. I think that's right. I think that's right. Where are they located? Is this? This one is, uh, yeah, it's Fort Collins. Collins. Exactly. Exactly. So I knew I knew it because that's where uh, one of my guys that works for our team is in Fort Collins. So I have been to New Belgium Brewery. And Uh, it would appear that we're not actually drinking that far apart, um, you being on the banquet beer tonight. That's right. I mean, the mountains are silver, so it's nice and frosty, I think. Uh, <laughs> they just chose that color in the printing, one of the two. Well, uh, we know the, the Coors Light is the one that uh, has the color effect, right? When it's cold, the mountains that's are That's exactly right? right. That's the story of my college years. <laughs> so we were actually teasing that same guy. He's going to the Rockies game tomorrow um, with a supplier. And basically, I told him I needed a photo of him with a Coors Light at Coors Field holding some... Um, 
Rocky Mountain oysters, right? Oh. And then just, I the caption, just the caption that says, this tastes like balls would be <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I should forward forward him my resume. Maybe he can drop it off with the front office for, with the Rockies. <laughs> yeah, I saw that tweet the other night. That was pretty funny. Because <laughs> they, so, are, they are still hiring. They're looking to hire. And I no, am, they hired their scouting it. director as an interim actually so he was announced either yesterday or this morning. just I can't that's temporary they're still i'm still waiting for the callback but they're trying to figure out how to approve your visa that's really what it is right yeah i have worked in the states previously um and the warrant that was out for my arrest in british columbia uh that you know that's all in the past now uh, that was related to a an id we don't need to talk about it anyway let's talk about some baseball things because that's what everybody cares about so we're going to go through news news and notes uh with a couple little quick fires and then we've got some listener questions and this for everybody's information will be the third time since april 22nd when we recorded the first try at this listener question episode that we are going to do this and tonight on Streamyard, it's going to work and we believe in it so um the Blue Jays, after a loss last night, are sitting 14 and 13. The healthy Blue Jays, which we now know we don't have, just to show how dated this is, uh, losing Springer again and Kirk. Um, are, are they good Blue Jays? This is a tough month. They have the West Coast trip right now. Last night, Montas looks solid. We'll talk about Mats later. Um, how are you guys, Jonathan, Ty, feeling about Los Blue Jays right now? You know, Ty, maybe I'll go first on this one. And I think for me, my feelings about the Blue Jays probably are just about the same as the record, um, 14 and 13. So I would say my feelings are mixed, but a little more positive than negative. Um, and I think, you know, the Blue Jays have been a story of a lot of different extremes. I mean, the bullpen ERA has been, you know, extreme, I think, beyond our expectations when you consider the injuries we suffered at the beginning of the year. Um, and up until very recently, you know, it was the lineup um, that was a bit of a disappointment and a concern. And I think lately, you know, those concerns have kind of flipped. Um, you know, Teoscar has returned to the lineup. We've seen Randall Grichuk, um, you know, continue with production that I don't think any of us expected. And now... I did, I did, <laughs> Jonathan. And well, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. You know, it's only recently I've started to, you know, defer to you for that kind of insight. But early in the season, I was looking to trade Grichuk to the NL somewhere. Well, um, I but think you know, everybody wanted him just off just the Jays roster, right? For a second. Did Robbie just try to hijack my Randall Grichuk train? No. Nope. Did that just happen? I said Ty did. Okay. I said Sorry. Ty. I did miss that. Okay. Yeah. yeah I've been so on Ray Grichuk for three years waiting for this moment. And Grichuk with a 296 average, 829 OPS headed into play tonight. Exactly. And I think that's the story of the ball club, right? You can look to areas where we've outperformed our expectations. Um, you know, some of them we just discussed, but I think it's coming to a point now where, you know, you're starting to see some cracks in the bullpen. We're seeing Steven Matz um, come down to life. And I just kind of want to, you know, throw it back to the two of you. Um, mixed but positive is where I would say, um, I'm not really sure what to say about the ball club right now. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I think there's lots to look forward to. It's still very early in this season. There's still lots that can happen, good and bad. And I think at the end of the day, like, we're going to acquire pitching. Like, that's that's a foregone conclusion. You know, we have the things to trade. It's just a matter of who decides they're out of it the earliest. Is it going to be Colorado? Is it going to be Cincinnati? 
Is it going to be Milwaukee? Wait, no, they don't have any pitching. Um, you know, who who is it going to be that needs to give us their pitching? Like, you know, as long as we're we're smart about it, we should be able to act early. But with with a healthy rotation, which we haven't seen yet, this team is very, very, very good, right? And I think that's what we're waiting for. The the bats have been slow to get started. We've missed Springer and Teoscar, obviously. So I think. Those two healthy, we're starting to see what that does to that lineup, right? You know, Vladdy went, what, three for four last night, right? I mean, you're starting to see what the kids can do with a little bit of protection built in there. And so that's what I'm excited for. Like, I I think we're one starting pitcher away because I think we're going to see Manoa uh, at some point here in the summer, whether it's June 1, June 5, July 1, that's yet to be seen. But I, I think this team has some length to it. The bullpen, as as we've talked about all offseason and last year, is delivering, right? And and if there's one thing beyond the drafting, beyond uh, the scouting that this front office has done unbelievably well is build bullpens. And they've done it year over year and, and with nothing, right? They've spent no money on it. And I think until this great- year with Yates and of course Yates yeah. gets hurt. And that's yep. the only one. That's the only yep. expense that's been, I think, maybe over three million. I, I yep. think that might that might be right. Uh, but to to go on with your point, Ty, yeah, it's pitching related. That that was our concern before the year started. We didn't care that there were more MLB caliber outfielders than there were positions available. Um, we had concerns about where Rowdy would play, and it looks like that's going to be Buffalo for a bit. And then we'll see what happens. You know, as far as bringing him back up when he's impactful. And thank goodness tonight. MLB or sorry, MILB play returned uh, for the first time since 19. So we are going to start to see those guys, those chips move around. And for us, unfortunately, we kind of need to wait on trading minor, at least personally trading minor leaguers for the next month. Cause I want to start to see some stats accumulate at where all these guys are last week. The rumor was uh, Jason Dominguez was going to be sent to high with the Yankees. Now he's sticking back. Uh, in development so he's not being he's not going to report anywhere and at best i guess it's going to be a a low a but the two worst teams in baseball right now ty as far as rosters that might be willing to strip if we were to get into early trades would be detroit and colorado and i bring them up specifically well not detroit they don't have the pieces that you would necessarily want back but colorado and john gray is a tie prediction that i love and i'm going to talk about john gray in a moment here but that's just one thing. So good Blue Jays. So you, you got the idea. We are as confident as their record has been. So we're okay, but not great. Now, uh, moving to Luis Robert and or Robert and my redraft season, which are both now on ice thanks to um, his injury, which looks to be at least three months. Uh, my goodness. this and, and for the White Sox too, right? Him and Eloy, this is not the way they had built the club. And I don't know. Uh, I think Lind has two years left on his deal. Like, I don't know that they would look to reset the table at all. I think they're just going to try to push through, but that's, that's really rough on, uh, on Han and, and everybody there. Uh, Thor has faced human beings in his Tommy John recovery. That's great to see. Uh, Kershaw had a big blow up today. Uh, he'll be fine next time out, but two of his seven starts have left him with a four and three record. And two of those seven starts have been poor. Uh, is this time Ty? Do you think to try a buy low on Kershaw? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, if you can ever buy Kershaw, you should, right? I mean, the days of paying an arm and a leg to get him are in the past. But as we talked about in the first time we tried to record this, like the the numbers since his last Cy Young are still very good. You know, the last start 
sub three ERA over that. Yeah. yeah. 2.36, right. right? Like that's, that's very good. You know, it's dwarfed by what DeGrom has done, but still very, very good. And for whatever reason, people are forgetting that Kershaw is a Hall of Famer um, and that he can still get things done on a very, very good team. He doesn't need to allow zero runs like he did when he first came up. Like if you allow less than three as a Dodger, it's pretty much a lock for a victory. Um, so I think that's something that, you know, people need to get aware of. Uh, and I think getting him, I saw an interesting, interesting stat the other day talking about um, pitching down and into right-handed hitters and Kershaw far and away blew the league away, even his own roster away in terms of, you know, pounding down and in. And it's the, it's the quality of pitch selection that he has and the limited use of the slider is so effective down in into that righty because the hooks, obviously the curve, the curveball is obviously the pitch he's hung his hat on, but fastball command slider down and into a righty on top of the hook and fastball away. It's, it's a great set and that because it's the, the 12 to six, that's his hallmark. I always like those types of guys. As long as the curve is still effective, we're seeing it with Adam Wainwright. I like the longevity of those kind of guys careers because they don't rely on the same things. They can get cheap outs um, right. on weak contact as well as the swing and miss with that pitch. Yeah. Keeping ball, uh, batters off balance for sure. So yeah, so definitely I, I would try to approach whomever is interested in dealing because the numbers, although they still look fine two nine, I think it's two ninety three average right now and uh, four and three record in the five by five format, he's going to appear to be less dominating than he actually is, you know, save for those two starts. Uh, John Gray on the other side, we just mentioned with the potential of trading uh, pitchers from bad rosters with Colorado, 34 and a third innings, 315 ERA, 1.19, 30 Ks and three wins on a team with only 10 wins. Uh, that's a good sign. Let's just see if, if Gray can keep it going. Another interesting note here on a bad team, Wilson Ramos could end up with 30 dingers. Yeah, I know. Sounds crazy. He's got six and 87 at bats right now. Um, but that average that we're used to with, with Ramos is not going to exceed 250 this year. Uh, Shohei Otani is awesome. 103 at bats, 20 dingers, sorry, 20 runs, nine dingers, 22 RBIs, six stolen bases, 272 average, and a nine 59 OPS. Oh yeah. And he pitches Wednesday. Exciting stuff. Um, gentlemen, Steven Matz is a human. Can we be cool with that? Or is Jay's nation still thinking um, Cy Young? <laughs> That's an interesting question. And, you know, Steven Matz was the subject of a lot of conversation on some of the Blue Jays um, talk radio today. And one of the things that you know, I think was brought up, and I think I kind of noticed as well, I'm not seeing the same confident pitcher on the mound. I mean, you know, early in this year, he was commanding his fastball, um, getting ahead of hitters, and then either putting them away with finishing pitches or continuing to make the good pitches that got him into those 1-2 and 0-2 counts and created a lot of weak contact. And what I've noticed the last couple nights, or I mean the last couple starts, I should say, is that it seems like he's still getting ahead of hitters, but he's having a lot of trouble putting them away. Um, and that's something that I have found a little bit concerning, but I guess correctable, because I saw a lot of O2s in his last start. Um, I recall even after one of the home runs he gave up, 
he came out right against, I believe it was Austin Riley, got him to an 0-2, but then really struggled and I believe lost that hitter. So I'm just wondering what the both of you see, because what I see is a pitcher with similar stuff, but he seems to have lost his, his approach to getting hitters out. Well, I, I think there's something to be said about the mental side of success too, right? I think sometimes, you know, you go out there, you deal for a handful of games. You're like, yeah, I, I've got that swagger back. I think he had it. And then I think he's starting to doubt it again. And that's the job of the coach to rate, rein him in and bring him back. So they're going to pick apart that video. They're going to do some different things. Now, Oakland has been known for many years to, to pick apart platoons. Right, their rosters are built to do that, um, and and you see, like Matt Olson wasn't in the lineup last night, right? Like they were ready to face the lefty. They had a plan, and it worked. They knew they knew they could get some some runs up against Matt's. Now he served a, a meatball up to Loriano, uh, who definitely or Loreno, whatever <laughs> pronunciation brought to you by Loriano. Let's just let's put them both together. Let's call him Elbaum. <laughs> album. let's just be done with ramon it. razor <laughs> there you go but but the point is is like you take that away and it wasn't that bad of a start right and so you know is is it elite no but are we expecting elite from matt's i'm certainly not i i think he's sp3 as a ceiling sp2 on any given day but sp4 probably in reality um so i i think i think that's the way as jay's fans as as fantasy fans or owners, we need to be looking at a Steven Matt. So I do think the value will be there. We've talked about the value that Pete Walker is a pitching coach in pretty much every forum that we all connect in. But, you know, I think that's a great place to look. Do you make anything of the way he came out of the game in his last start? I mean, there was a little bit of talk about, you know, the blow up and the dugout. I guess he wanted to stay out there. Um, you know, if you look at the situation, the three, four and five hitters who were due up, I think were five of six with three RBI against him. So I think you can defend the decision of the manager um, to pull him out of the ballgame at that time. But do, is that just a, you know, a guy who wants to compete? I mean, for me, I have more questions on a guy that's not angry than I do about a guy that's angry, right? right? I mean, I'm a pitcher myself, and I'm an absolute psychopath between the foul lines, <laughs> right? Like, as soon as I step over that chalk line, get the hell out of my way. And then once I step away from it, once I get away from the field, it's over. It's done. It's But but that's the mentality. Like, you got to bulldog it. You got to get out there. And, and, and I think that's part of what we're talking about with Steven Matz is that I think maybe he's lost that a little bit, right? It's It's slipped. And I think he can get back there. And, and we saw that passive nature in New York. And, and I think the Jays are going to attack it um, because I, it's just not acceptable in the trajectory of this team. So, um, you know, the, the Mets organization let many things slip under policy. I don't expect them to Whoa. allow. Yeah, yeah, I don't think the Jays <laughs> with the recent alignment with that statement are going to be, be uh, pushing pushing these pitchers um, to, to continue uh, repeating their mistakes. So I expect a correction moving forward. You know, uh, m once they get home for a couple of games, I think that'll be, be good for Matt's as well too. Cause they, they have had a split schedule so far. And 32 innings pitch for Matt's 33 K's, even with last night's five inning, six strikeout performance. The ERA is up now to four, seven, eight with the whip at one, two, one, nine, which is fine. And a four and two record. The four wins were out of the gate 
last two starts have been those two losses. So I think for Mats, in my opinion, if he's a top 100 pitcher at the end of the season, that would be a victory for the Jays. If his ERA is under 420, that would be a victory for the Jays. But that whip staying at 120 would be good. That's going to keep them in ball games. That's important. And that means he's not having a lot of issues, which uh, Jonathan, you were alluding to with not being able to get those outs. A lot of that is, is sometimes just a simple fix, not some, some major, you know, overhaul that they've got to do. And I'm not sure who's been catching him the bulk of the time. I know it's probably been Jansen and it looks like it's going to go back to that. But in the event that maybe it was Kirk, that might be an adjustment that Matt's has made. Who knows? Um, next up, Vlad is amazing. 91 at bat, seven home runs, 20 RBIs, 19 runs, 352 average, 1129 OPS. Oh, joy. Oh, bliss. Um, you know, Jonathan, you mentioned off the top. So next guy up, Winker. Jesse Winker with the Reds is for real. 87 at bat so far this year. Six home runs, 16 RBIs, 20 runs, a 356 average, and a 1060 OPS. There is no outfield controversy in Cincinnati that Jesse Winker is attached to, and that is a good thing. Um, Alex Verdugo is a top 60 player in 5x5 five five right now. It might be coming together for him. He had a dinger tonight. Uh, that's somebody to keep a watch for. We'll dig in a little later. Here's a little interesting one for everybody. Glaber Torres is just home runs away from a huge ranking improvement in 5x5 five five format. Get him ASAP. In 97 at-bats right now, he's got eight runs, seven RBIs, one stolen base, but a 292 average the last two weeks, but on the year, no power. Um, Jonathan Time, I'm interested to know, do you care? Glaber Torres and Redraft had a really high value. He's one of those like seven or eight supposedly elite shortstops that we had. Uh, we know Lindor has been off to a terrible start. Glaber Torres is getting it too from Yankee fans. Would you guys consider in your leagues ideally dynasty but if it's redraft relatable or keeper would you think about getting Claber Torres as I am you know this is an interesting question and there are actually a couple of players who I have shares of both in redraft and dynasty which I think throw kind of a wrench into the Glaber Torres question you know the middle infield is normally the kind of position where a guy who's going to contribute across multiple categories I'm thinking like a Trey Turner um you know those are a those are very much at a premium and Glaber projects to be that sort of ball player when he's on but we haven't seen that production as you mentioned and I guess the idea is that are we trying to get on it before it comes but right. I'm I'm somebody who this year has gotten shares of Jazz Chisholm, um, who was unfortunately on the IL, and also recently Nico Horner, um, who's been off to a really hot start in Chicago. So that kind of throws a wrench personally into my willingness to deal okay. for someone like Glaber, because I think the combination of up-and-coming talent like that, which I've been able to secure, and some more established players put me in a good position. But I wonder, is that an irrational position to take? Should I be looking to turn one of those guys into a Glaber? I like what you've done. Now, Ty is a huge Dansby Swanson guy. Huge, uh, huge Dansby Swanson fan. So Ty, you, as a again, as a huge Dansby Swanson fan, do you think maybe it's time to get off of the Swan song and start Torresing it up? In your leagues? I mean, I, it, let's be clear. Like, it's it's Swanson TV dinners that are, are more the thing. But no, he is a just, hungry man. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, the reality is, I, I I'm in on Glaber because I I you know me, Robbie. I love buy and low. It's one of my favorite right. things to do in fantasy baseball. I I love to be sitting here a year from now saying, "Ha!" And Glaber Torres is that guy. 
Sorry, what you know, is it I, that you say in a year? Ha. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's it's very, very technical. Um, I, I like to sit here and wait for people to realize that baseball is a game of attrition, right? And so people are so reactive in fantasy baseball, it's it's ridiculous. The amount of rage drops and and trades and silly moves, you know, in our home league, Rob, somebody dropped David Peralta a week into the season, and then he went on an absolute tear, right? Like David Peralta has a good body of work to know the regression back to the mean was going to be there. Now he's slightly overperformed on his regular average, but you know, those things happen. You know, a guy like Jesse Winker terrifies me. He terrifies me. His lefty righty splits still suck. Right, he's hitting 429 right now against righties. That is, and he's getting giant... to lead off too. That's the other. That's why I'm saying there isn't a controversy in my mind that we're just good to go. Sorry, Ty, continue. He only has 22 at bats against lefties right now. Right, like he's getting exited late in games and yep. or not starting against the lefties. There's still a platoon thing here. Like for me, Jesse Winker is the opposite of what we're talking about with with Glaber. Like if I had Winker and somebody wanted to do a straight up trade for Torres. That's a huge victory for me, right? Because I, I would put money that Torres would be ahead of Winker in, in almost every format by the end of this season. Okay. Well, in different positions as well. But I think, yeah, like for me, it's it's Torres as a guy that I've been looking at, you know, where might I be able to pick up a real steal in my dynasty leagues that doesn't appear to be a steal now? And somebody that we're going to get to later or shortly is uh, Austin Riley. And in points formats, Riley's line, uh, like a points per game, which we all know is a very important stat when you are talking about what a pitcher does, right? You want a pitcher that can go north of 18 points per game. You want a hitter to be somewhere north of 2.7 points per game to be useful to you, depending on your format. Now, we generally swim in the deep waters, Jonathan, of 20 plus team leagues. So we, we've got a lot of different players at different MLB levels. So you, you can dip down a little lower. You get into a smaller league. You need all of your dudes to be north of three points per game. And you've got a guy like Riley, who, even though he's caught fire, started so poorly that it's deceptive to see. So depending on the owner of Riley in your league, you may be able to get him, um, but it's going to look really obvious on the other end for anybody that can just go on the Yahoo app, which is a great app. If you want to just quickly check last week, last two weeks, last month in the season, you can say, oh, like here are four different categories and this is how this player has been doing. So if it's the last two weeks, they've been good. Great. Like maybe, you know, maybe, maybe think about it, whether it's like deal them away or not. And David Fletcher is one of those polarizing guys to me, Ty, as soon as you said someone who's been cut in our home league, David Fletcher was cut very early in our home league. And I was like, this guy is available second, third shortstop outfield. Why would anybody cut him this early when he is an average monster? He does not strike out a whole lot. He walks a good rate. And the the concern is, of course, power with him. But even last year in a shortened season, he was able to, you know, put a few on the board and end up with 30 runs, sorry, 31 runs um, and some stolen bases to boot. So I, I picked him up and I'm just moving him around as I see fit where he fits into my lineup. Um, but that's just one of those other guys that sometimes the early season rage drop is like comical for certain people in the fantasy industry. It's one of those things where uh, it almost shows their inexperience because they're just upset. And as a result of that, or, or they play in really shallow leagues where you can't keep somebody who's been really poor because you, the way you draft it, you know, whatever it is with your format. But anyway, that was just a quick one on Torres. Uh, we can now hit up the Tommy John train because Dustin may 
is on it. And it looks like Denelson Lamette, who is starting tonight, may very soon be back on. I can't believe Denelson Lamette is back and pitching. And to everybody who traded him before the injury, good for you. And for everybody who was like, I can't get anything for him. Well, he's back. Now you can. Now please go trade Denelson Lamette. <laughs> Yeah, make so. him, make him be gone, and and I, I re, you really missed an opportunity to drop an NSYNC reference there. Um, bye bye it's bye. It's gonna be May. Oh, uh, <laughs> you, you definitely whiffed on that after after opening the show with May the Fourth be, with, be you. with you. You just the theme. We needed a roll. That, that was anyway. more of a shout out for Billy B, who posted in a couple <laughs> of league chats about you know may the fourth be with you so yeah i really think with dustin may like this is a time to acquire right especially in your dynasty formats i i told three people yesterday go right now go to the owner go to the owner and say look 2023 is the next time you're going to get him back and one of the dudes owns danny duffy and i said try it try it right now try one for one see if the guy does it it's worth it to you in a keep forever league give up danny duffy in that beautiful looking stat line get you some long-term dustin may do it yeah the ginger I mean, I really think part of the injury is related to how tight Dustin May's pants are. Like they're oh, unnecessarily <laughs> tight, and how loose like, the hair is. There, there's just yeah. no balance. Like, of course, it mucks up your arm. It's a lot of strain on the elbow. Hundred yeah. percent, and and like it's it's not up here with them. You know, it's it's all with this <laughs> and with the constricting. The best, he might have the best stuff in the game right now. Like the stuff, like he can't locate it yet. But like the stuff is dynamite. Like I, I don't know if you guys can name somebody off the top of your head that has better stuff uh, aside from like Austin Bayou stuff. Like yeah, it's definitely not Austin. Bowe. Brent Honeywell. Uh, in my, you know what? Based on my experience <laughs> in MLB The Show with Brent Honeywell, it could be, it could be Brent Honeywell. Thank you, Ty. So, I'm glad I that I was able to get Honeywell on on uh, your team too. But it's through a video game. <laughs> I'm lighting the world on fire with his production. So, um, you know, that's that's the only the only time that I'm probably going to mention success for Honeywell. But you know, like honestly, like name name guys that have better stuff, right? And and he's he's young. I th- I don't know if he's eclipsed 50 career innings. So depending on your league format, he might not be able to be stashed in your minors. But at least for the rest of this year, he'll be able to go onto an injured spot. And then when you go through the off season, you have to account for all of your players. He might have to be one of your 26 roster guys, or if you're in a 40 man roster league, one of those 40, once the season starts, he gets to go back on your IL and ideally for him come 2023, he could be back and rolling normally, which is kind of what we are expecting from Jamison Tyon because he was in a similar uh, early season injury in 19 and then was off all of 20. So not to go too long on all that because we actually have listener questions, but this was just like news and note. The final one is um, uh, Mr. Turney boss, which we didn't mention, but you can absolutely hit us up with any questions, comments, concerns, trade things at dingers pod. Please tag us in questions. We are happy to do polls for you. Uh, hit up Ty at Turney boss, hit myself up at Robbie baseball one. And even, even Mason here um, space for Mace. That's right, on Twitter. And you can find me in the Clubhouse app through the club and also at Sir John Mason on Instagram. And very soon I will find those and blend them all into one corresponding handle, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) So you can do all that. And if you're interested in what's going on with Tyler O'Neill, it's now time for uh, Ty to take a bow, have your minute, Ty. 
O'Neill with a 269 average. It's rain out tonight, so this won't change before the fifth. 269 average, nice. 12 runs, five home runs, 11 RBIs, two stolen bases, and he is ranked 130th in Yahoo with only 67 at bats. Yeah, I mean, if you were a longtime listener, you First time know caller. you know the right response right now. It's ha. And, you know, <laughs> definitely, definitely uh, you know, something we've been waiting for. Regular at-bats. Regular at-bats. <clears throat> the thing that we've been talking about for a couple years with Tyler O'Neill, he has not been given the right chance to get the at-bats he needs. I like that Jonathan beat Robbie to the reload on the beer. That's excellent. Um, hey, hey, uh, we're talking tall boys and uh, cans, or tall matter. boys and glasses. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the craft bottle, so you can take that for what it's worth. What's the percentage <laughs> you got rocking tonight? Oh no! Well, after I learned my lesson from the last time, I'm on. I'm back in the normal five to six and a half range okay. right here. All yeah, right. I, I'm onto Just a Kona. I... I'm onto a Kona big wave from uh, the Great Island of Hawaii. Oh, this nice! Banqu- this banquet's like one point five percent. So <laughs> that's like the Michelob Ultralight, where it doesn't actually specify alcohol content. Well, the but, but guys will down twenty. Well, I have a very good buddy amount. who used. To, I have a very good buddy who used to say it's time to sober up on some cores. <laughs> <laughs> I like that guy. I, I do like that. Okay, um, so Tyler O'Neill, greatness. Um, pick him up. Yeah, there you go. And if anybody is interested, Harrison Bader. Two dingers and, uh, you know, hit up at not Burt Reynolds, uh, our boy, uh, Nick, Nicholas got who, um, was on a podcast in the off season when we covered the Cardinals and told everybody who was listening all about the too tight rolling stones, uh, shirt that oh. he would see Bear- Harrison Bader wearing out in the club. Justin May Bader swap pants. Oh, there you go. Shirt combo. One of them needs to wear all of it, and the then the other guy can be far more comfortable because Bader is coming off of like a, an injury month, right? He didn't yeah, but, get to but start. The problem is if if May wore Bader's t-shirt, it would come up to like his rib cage. True, it would just be a halter, right? Like because there's a, there's a very large body discrepancy uh, inside. I feel there. like there's the right amount of cloth for the both of them. It's just not being it's just not being distributed correctly. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's good. Okay, so we actually have listener questions, and because, like I said, we originally recorded the the first go with these way back on April twenty second. Um, the the names of the people who sent are long erased from this, so I apologize. Uh, but these are still relevant questions, which is why we are going to go through them tonight. So. Um, we, the three of us have already gone through this tonight and I kept our answers. So some of these, we might be able to be quicker on, but we'll see what's up. So 12 team points keeper at the end of the year, you get to keep 15 players. There was no specification on where they were. Uh, do you want Spencer Torkelson or do you want Joey Gallo? Uh, kick it to Mason first. You know, I actually think I may have had a different answer the last time than the one I'm going to go. You are with not allowed. You are not allowed to change your answer. I'm not allowed to change my answer. Okay. Well, in that in that case, because you, you can know, change. For, you can change. For, well, no, I'll say it this way. You know, for me, it's it's a question of potential versus production, right? Joey Gallo is like an enigma this year. I have shares of Joey Gallo in redraft, um, and the you see exit velo and walk rate, and that combination makes you think of Laddie Jr. Um, you think of a player who is managing the strike zone, but when you look at the raw numbers, there is absolutely no power, and he is a strikeout waiting to happen. 
Um, and then, you know, Torkelson has advanced tools um, and has the chance to develop into something perhaps more well-rounded than Gallo. Um, but, you know, sticking with my original answer, I think that what Gallo has shown, um, if you're willing to bank on the discipline turning into production, we've already seen that's 35 to 40 home run pop. Um, and I'm not really sure um, Torkelson is still, you know, potential for the future. So I'm going to stick with what I've got or maybe what I'm stuck with. And that's Joey Gallo. Well, yeah, I just Robbie changed just on the sheet. Yeah, Rob just didn't want you to flip so he could take the L. That's <laughs> right. his big concern. Don't let him fool you. There's I, nothing else behind that comment. I, I spent a lot of time. <laughs> I spent a lot of time digging into this, you know. And Joey Gallo is a scary ball player. Yeah, and There's, so one of the things just just to cover it really quick, Ty, and then I'll, I'll give I'll give it to you. We we do our best not to discuss a lot of advanced stats on the podcast because I think throwing numbers at you that aren't fantasy relevant can be confusing. If you go on Twitter, you will find just like an infinite number of people who have written something, who have a website, who are tweeting 50 times a day, a whole bunch of things that don't tell you what the player is doing in fantasy. And they're, they're fantasy people, which they're, you know, they're trying to help their, their mind is in the right spot, but we do that work behind the scenes. We check out, you know, hard hit rates, what's going on, launch angle, all that stuff. And then we try to just talk within the realm of a five by five or an eight by eight or points, because that's what I want to know when I'm listening to a podcast that I'm listening to, to get better or to be better, or to beat my friends or to beat a bunch of strangers and win a bunch of money uh, to get my family back together, whatever it is that you're doing to listen to the podcast. The block is weird. And both- this is why Robbie lives the straight up OG lifestyle. Right? That, was yeah. a beautiful, that was a beautiful, beautiful speech. Thank you. If if you're interested in boats, there will be more. Okay, there will be more. Um, but anyway, we we want to really boil her down here and just give you the straight goods and trust you. You trust us that we have done the work behind the scenes. So as Jonathan said, he's changed his answer because he did the deep dive and he's realized, hey, you know what? Gallo is a three true outcome guy to the core. And that's, that's something right. that you think Torque can avoid. And I'm saying I'm good with what Gallo gives me. And rather than have torque now in a one for one trade, I'm not going to take Gallo because the value in fantasy, no matter your league size is going to value torque. Who is just one, one in your draft, right? You can't go to anybody in any league, excuse me, any league right now and say, here's Joey Gallo. Give me your first round pick. No one's going to do that today. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if I was to keep one of these two dudes, I would want to keep Gallo, but I would be trading Torkelson away. And that was something we discussed before too. These aren't like your, you know, last guy to keep. These are core parts of your 15 dudes. Yeah, no. And, and I think, you know, on the other side of it, Torque, obviously the one, one lots of, of pathway for him in Detroit. Like we, we might see him next season. I think anyone that believes we're going to see him this year, I will point you at Andrew Vaughn to see, ooh, uh, to show you what that, Catching looks up. like when you rush a guy <laughs> to the pros, right? Like Andrew Vaughn, you know, I saw a funny thing on Twitter last night. It's like, is Andrew Vaughn going to start in center field now? Right. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that, that in itself is funny. Um, yeah. But, you know, but it's going to be Yoquili Cespedes. That's who it's going to be. They're going to be everybody that they brought up and signed. It's um, Billy Hamilton, right? Yeah, like, it's, I mean, scary. It, it's scary. Like, you know, and that's, that's the thing that you have to look at. And, and what we talked about previously is like this decision probably is based on where you're at, right? Are you trying to win right now? Torque's not going to help you do that, right? Are you going to make the one for one trade? No. 
But if you have Torque, you're trying to win now, you probably should make that acquisition using Torque to fill out the rest of your roster, especially this year. Like, look at the ro- the injuries. Like, they're everywhere. Yeah. And they're going to continue to be everywhere for at least the next couple of months. So, you know, we need to be cognizant of depth in, in formats. And, and I think a lot of people, especially in redraft, are guilty of grabbing the best player in the trade and thinking it's a win, right? That's not necessarily how you win championships. It's the way to think you're going to win and then to lose because you didn't have the depth. So Torque for me, I think has the higher upside. Um, Gallo might hit more home runs, but I will always take the balanced player, the the high floor, as I like to talk about all the time. And that's Torque for me. Okay. So 12 team head to head. I'm falling behind in runs and RBIs. Who's on the wire? Now, when we did this the first time, it was a different group of guys. When we did this the second time, it was a different group of guys. And this time, I'm just going to say it's really, really hard to figure out who would be your ideal candidates for runs and RBIs. Right now, I would be looking at anybody who's batting in the Oakland A's. Uh, not named Jed Lowry, you know, just because he would have been one of those hot waiver guys last month. But do yourself a favor, depending on your league format, and just just go to the search and and you know position all batters like last seven days. Let's just see who's been hot and hit up runs. So you know, I'm in a league right now where Brandon Belt's on the wire. It's it's crazy, but it's true. Austin Hayes is another guy, and this is Brandon Belt before the seven RBIs tonight. Also, I believe. Um, within the last seven days. So, you know, Amid Rosario, whose line has solidified, well, not solidified, his line has has looked a lot better the last week. He's another guy, Matt Duffy, but these are all guys with individual games that have boosted them up there. Just do that. Go get yourself a streamer. We talked about Matt Beattie on Sunday, and what did Matt Beattie go do? Have his career best game. You know, I think it was three or four hits and seven RBIs. So just check on the wire. And depending on when this airs, I mean, you've already probably filled it in with a few guys. Uh, That's the easiest way to go through this. To another, a more interesting, complex uh, question here, guys. Riley or Jamar Candelario rest of season? Uh, Jonathan, who's your boy? It's Riley for me. Um, You know, not just because we got to watch a little bit of him firsthand during the series against the Jays, um, but, you know, I think a lot of people might not realize Riley is the hottest bat um, on the Braves, even hotter than, you know, probably the front runner for MVP right now, um, Acuna. And he is just absolutely performing the OPS, you know, over 1300 in the last two weeks. You know, the only he's probably the only person reaching base more often than Vladdy Jr. lately. Um, and I think the thing that makes it really exciting is the fact that he's still batting down that order. Um, he's batting, you know, not in a premium spot. He's following guys. So he's going to be seeing pitches and he just looks really confident. And it doesn't look like what we're seeing. Obviously, the production won't stay the same, but I don't think that what we're seeing is outside of the talent of the ball player. Um, and again, you know, avoiding going towards too many, you know, advanced statistics. I think specifically walk rate is something that's really interesting, even within a fantasy context, because when you're not getting true outcomes, I think walk rate for me is a way I always try and judge how a hitter is controlling the zone. 
and his is way down year over year. Um, and he's now combining that with some real power. So I love Riley rest of season. And that's not taking anything away from Candyman. This is a pro Riley stance for me. Yeah, and I mean, for me, like I've been in on Candy early. Like he was a guy that everyone was out on, and I and it was again an opportunity to 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 say ha. And so you know, that's one that I was happy to be ahead of the curve on. I, I'm gonna say Candy's my guy, but we did talk about this in the postseason last year and in, into the offseason. Riley was turning that corner. He we was saw, a buy. He was a yeah, hard buy for you, Ty. Correct. And we saw hard contact all over the place right at people, a couple that left the field of play uh, in, in the playoffs. There was progression. It was obvious. It was coming. We're seeing the production this year as a result of that. And we're going to continue to see it. Like, I don't believe we fully tapped into the power here for Riley. So you're right. I'm going to stick with Candy because he's a traditional slow starter. And and I think if you're – to go back in the last question, if you're looking for a guy that runs in RBIs, Candy's a great acquisition target right now with the slow start. You know, I, Rob, you and I have talked about this over the years. Like, I made a, a career out of acquiring slow starters. I'd let other people draft them, and then I would go pick them up in a cheap trade later. Um, and, and, you know, Machado was one of those guys for years that people didn't realize was a slow starter. Uh, you know, there's other guys out there on the market. Well, for like a couple of Jays, Edwin, if you want to go even further back, mm. Vernon Wells was a slow starter. Mm. And then Vernon Wells is just a slow starter because he needed the Jays to be up by seven before he produced. <laughs> Right, like hey, talk about the he's the Aaron Rodgers. Some of people baseball. like to get slapped in the face. Others, you know, choked. Different people get hyped for different <laughs> things. So I genuinely just, liked Vernon Wells. I just hated the fact that all of his big hits came when the games were over. But it was right. Okay, so I think just, the saddest part about Vernon Wells is that my favorite thing to watch him do was corral a lazy fly ball. That man could really catch. That man could really <laughs> catch a fly ball. Gold glove center fielder. You know him. And he Adam certainly Jones. could. You know what? Uh, in the Statcast era, he would have been moved out of center field so fast. Like he would have been just, too big to even let him get like get a shot sucked. as a pro, right? He like, was a terrible center fielder. Like how he won a Gold Glove, I don't know. I don't know. Like statistically, the guy was terrible out there. Well, speaking of statistics that matter, uh, Austin Riley the last two weeks has had forty-one at bats, and in those forty-one at bats, he has been oobs productive, as the kids say. I think. 10 runs, three dingers, and that's all the dingers on the year. Six RBIs and a 439 average. So that's your five by five, no stolen bases. But in the 41 other bats that started his season, only six runs, no, no home runs, one RBI, and a very dismal average that I think was under two, 180 something, uh, if my mathematics are correct. And they generally aren't. So that's what we're dealing with now is, is Riley had a, a week out the gate and is then, you know, really boosted himself up 66% owned right now in Yahoo. And just, I don't, did you guys know this hitter Shohei Otani on Yahoo is 91% owned. How, how on earth is it that 9% of Yahoo leagues do not have someone in that league active that would have Otani? Like it, it makes no sense. It totally discredits yahoo as a resource for percentage rostered in my mind when a guy who is just like taking the game by storm can't be a hundred percent owned if it was 99 i'd get it right like you just don't want to say 100 but how can it be 91 it makes no sense to me it boggles the mind stupid people all right on to the next one can you compete in dynasty head to head 
without top dog starting pitcher. So I'm going to say Ty, because I think we talked about this before from DeGrom, wherever he is in your ranking, which would be, you know, one to three, I guess, if you want to be weird, uh, to Kershaw, Barrios, top 20 kind of guys. So you don't have any of those top 20s. Can you compete? I mean, the answer is yes. You obviously can, right? Is it going to be easy? Absolutely not. I mean, you can piece it together. You can stream you can pull out things like you can build a reliever heavy team. Like it's dependent on your, on your format in a lot of ways, but also, you know, it depends on your ability to predict the future and, you know, you can get in there on the waiver wire and grab some guys that are going to have two start weeks almost every single week. Right. Like there, there's very seldom a week where there's not a two start guy on the wire. Right. So, you know, the reality is that's, that's a pathway to do that. The second part is you can, you can join us on Sundays when we do the live stream because we discuss some of those dudes oh, just oh. so, yeah. We got this. No. We'll, we'll cue it in. Let's get fabulous, it says. Yeah, and that's that's the Sunday show where we're going to cover all of the waiver pickups that you should be focused on each and every week. Um, brought to you by us uh, because, yeah. And not Waterloo Brewing Company because no, they don't get back to me. the ball. <laughs> You have missed your opportunity. So, yeah, I mean, the answer is you can find guys. And, you know, a guy like Marcus Stroman might not be considered in that top tier, but has produced so far, right? Like, you can grab four and five of those guys, assuming, you know, Jesus Lazaro is not going to break his hand, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of Gamers got a game, Ty. Gamers got a game. He got tired of going up against Brett Honeywell and MLB The Show. That's right. That's what got got him. Well, it's yeah. funny because I, I've been trying to acquire Lizardo in our home league. And the guy was like, you know what? That was a pretty good offer, but I'm going to stick with him. And then like right after the injury was announced, I'm like, are you ready to deal him? He's like, sure. I'm like, oh, sorry. Trades off the table. And this is like a buddy. Right? So I was just like to bust his balls on it. But it was, it was pretty funny. You got uh, greedy. You got greedy. <laughs> yeah. So it was good fun. But yeah, I, I mean, you can do it. There's ways to do it. It's not that hard, but you have to have a very specific strategy to pull it off. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan, do you have any experience in trying to uh, either deal with a season where you don't have the best pitchers or a scenario where you have made a logical, uh, or at least at the time, it seemed logical decision to go for hitters and to figure out your pitching later? Yeah, you know, I have. and And I think it's really what Ty has said. It comes down to a combination of things. It's streaming, but it's also in that early portion of the season, finding those guys who, you know, they start off as streamers, but they stick like, you know, one person who's really come through for me in some recent years like that is a guy like Sean Manaya. That's a guy who always seems to be out and available in both my dynasty and my redraft leagues. And, you know, he performs well often, um, you know, for periods at a time. So I think it's it, it takes a great deal of skill. But assuming that your weakness in the pitching means there's a strength in another area, I think you can make up the difference. Yeah. yeah and I, and I, to, go ahead, Robbie. I, I was going to say, and I will go because we've done this already a few times. I don't want to skip it, but. It sounds like I'm repeating myself, but no one else has heard this yet. Um, you need to have the next guys coming up if, if it's Dynasty. So you are okay to not have Bieber, Cole, DeGrom, Kershaw, you know, blah, 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 all those guys. That's okay. But as Ty had said and Jonathan talked about, you need to be 
getting those wily vets that can just kick it around. Baumgartner would be an excellent example this year of a guy nobody likes who's getting it done. Danny Duffy is another guy. Those are the guys you need to own in that scenario. Wily veterans. There's two reasons why. One, they start every fifth day. And two, they don't have a lot of value, so you can get them. Now, when they they start to hit and you're in season, that's when the story changes. But that's also how you compete is that you get those guys that nobody else cares about. But, you know, well, they're going to start every fifth day, right? They're not in line to lose their job. And in the meantime, you need to be using your minor league system, no matter how big or small it is, to devote to pitching. That's the opposite of what everyone in the fantasy industry is telling you to do right now. And that's why you do it. Because you can't just run the same direction as everybody and expect to beat them. If they're all going nuts for all the J2 guys, if they're all going nuts for these high school Zach Veens, Robert Hassel III's, let them. Go and get yourself some college pitching. Go and get yourself guys who will start within two, three years of their draft date, and then you can build up. You also acquire the, the Mick Abels as they are available to you. You have to be ready for guys like... Eli Morgan, who pop up in out of nowhere, Trevor Rogers, who we talked about a little bit in the offseason. You need to be ahead of your friends, your competition, whoever it is you're playing against. And that will allow you to currently go without and then in the future be laughing in their faces when you've got it all. Well, and, and the other part of it, it comes down to your draft strategy, Robbie, right? Like this is that conversation is perfect for the way I draft. I'm notorious for under preparing for drafts because I let what happens in that draft dictate it. And so sometimes I've ended up with no front end pitching, right? I've, I've been there because there was a run ridiculously early. And here I am sitting with three high end hitters that separate me from the pack right off the hop on the offensive side. So just play by ear, you know, understand what's around you and, and adjust accordingly. Yeah. I mean, even in my TGFBI league, um, which, you know, that's the one with all the fantasy guys, there's over 400 of us industry folk um, using some hand quotes because it's a real mixed bag. Everybody was going nuts for pitching. So I just said, well, you know what? I'm going to figure it out in season with my pitching. And the problem that I've run into now, is, and this happens to everybody. So it's, it's not like I'm some special case. I've had some of my best hitters miss significant time. Well, when you're already planning to slowly improve your pitching as the year goes on and use part of your, or most of your thousand dollars in your fab, for that purpose. And then you have to go and spend some of it replacing injuries. Well, that starts to get in your way, but I've, I've waited my time. We've got to the hundred at bat plateau for several guys now, and I'm starting to make moves. And in several of my leagues, especially the keeper leagues, I'm moving outfielders out. You know, Aaron Hicks is getting dropped everywhere. Frazier's getting dropped everywhere. And I'm taking guys with categories that are getting me there. But at the same time, if you try to do that, just hitters, 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 and figure out the pitching later, you could be in the same boat I am in some of those leagues. So you got to be careful with it. It is a strategy for sure. Okay, what's a reasonable return for Charlie Morton in a dynasty league? The info that we're missing is the size of the league. But what we can tell you is what Charlie Morton is, and that's a 37-year-old with 28 in the third innings, 33 Ks this year, 4.76 ERA on a 1.2 whip, on a surging, on a destined to win 90 games Atlanta team, whatever we want to call them. Um, what do you think might be reasonable, Ty, if you were to acquire? And maybe, uh, Jonathan, if you want to talk about what it would take for you to deal him. That'd be fun. One guy does one. <laughs> I'll, Ty, I'll let you go first on that one. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm I'm not trading Charlie Morton right now. And, and that's because I'm selling too low. And at worst case... I, I'll wait this one out knowing that I can sell them for 
a little bit less than what I could now. Like that's the worst case for Charlie Morton. The risk is injury. The risk is career ender potentially for a guy like Charlie Morton. But I would I would take that risk knowing the likelihood of him regressing to the mean is better than the likelihood of him being injured. He's got a good history of staying healthy. Uh, so I, I would push to the side of wait and then trade. And at that point, like, you know, maybe a Glaber Torres, right? You could you could look at a guy like Whoa, that. Whoa, right really? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, my I mean, Lord. I, I think the where Glaber's at, like, I think. I wish I owned him. him in a league with you. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't trade you, Glaber. Well, I, I so let's pretend you are the guy who needs Charlie Morton. Say you drafted like I did, and you're like, my gosh, my pitching is so so smelly that Charlie Morton would be my SP two. What would you be willing to to give away? And you don't have to say like a specific player, but like a type of player. You know, would, would you be trading a, Austin Riley? No, I would have a skateboard with a garbage on it. I would put some <laughs> stuff in the light on fire and push it over to you. And okay. I expect you to send me Charlie Morton back. Like, All right, I mean, Jonathan, what about you? Do yeah, you have this, something This is else? hard for me. And th- this is hard for me because I feel sort of the same way Ty does. It's difficult to price Charlie Morton, um, but putting myself in the seat of what I would be willing to get to deal him, I think for me, it's it would have to be somebody who's willing to give me a bat because I think the pitcher to pitcher value, it's probably going to be very tough to bring back quality, a quality arm for yeah. Charlie Morton. And, yeah. you know, when I think about that, you think about maybe somebody who is looking for, who has a veteran that's kind of burning a hole on their roster, like somebody who really has, you know, I think annoyed a lot of people is like a Max Muncy, right? And you would never get that one for one, but I would really try to do a package with Charlie Morton that can get me an underperforming big league roster spot, somebody that I can put into my lineup every day. And I think that's about what it would take for me to deal him at this moment in time. Yeah. So, I think I think you could target though, like a, a winning team that's looking to solidify some depth. You could go after a guy like Casey Mize on, on a winning team, a guy okay. like Jerry Scoobal is a guy that could also fit that category. I mean, if you want to risk your option, Tristan McKenzie could be that guy. I'm not a McKenzie guy. I, w- I would stay away from that trade, but other people seem to to think there's some upside. Like that's the kind of guys you could theoretically target um, on the pitching side. But I'm with you. Like if you're trading Charlie Morton, odds are you're either going prospect hunting, lottery ticket hunting, or you're looking to switch for a bat. Right. I definitely like the idea, as Ty had said, about maybe looking for one of those um, former top prospect starting pitchers who's now in the grind because you're giving up a guy at the end of the career that you can now pick up to get the rest of the career. And, and again, it has to be, like you said it, you have to be dealing him to a team that thinks this is the guy that gets me where I need to be. Not, you know, lotto ticket. Cause then he's not going to pay the price. Um, at what point, if you have one, do you trade or cut a player that you thought would succeed if they are given opportunity and they aren't? So um, we are now starting week five, or we are in week five of the fantasy season. Uh, players are starting to get close to, by the end of this week, we'll have some pitchers around 40 innings. Uh, 100 at-bats plus is going to be common by the end of the week for hitters. Uh, what would you be doing? Would you be looking to cut guys now? Are you you know in dynasty mode? Would you be wanting to wait a full season as a professional? Where do either of you guys maybe have ideas of... and? It, you know, cut trade. So it's not just 
cut and they're gone off your roster? At what point do you decide um, you're you're no longer interested, Jonathan? Yeah, I think for me, this this question is an interesting one, and I split it between sort of the hitters and the pitchers. Um, hitters, I think um, you, you have to sort of look at circumstance. Um, you know, a lot of times, especially if you're in a five category league, um, you know, your RBI categories, your run scored categories, those are based on circumstance. And you may even look at a player with talent um, and regardless of their performance, also combine that with the fact that the lineup won't be great. Maybe the ballpark doesn't agree with them. And I could see myself and I have moved off of hitters um, probably right around that 100 at bats, you know, or even earlier in some cases, if I really feel I have a hunch and I want to get ahead of that value going down. Um, but for me, the pitchers are completely different. Um, and the pitchers, it's based on the stuff. And, you know, pitchers, I think, you know, as Blue Jays fans, we saw Roy Halladay, you know, turn us into the best team in the league once every five days, you know, for many years. And as a pitcher gets started, I like to look at how the hitters respond to the stuff. Um, so if I see a pitcher with good stuff, you know, early, you often see command issues. Sometimes you see a little bit of bad luck. Um, so I think as far as pitchers are concerned, you have to go with the eye test. And I'm willing to wait a lot longer if I think a pitcher has the stuff to be successful. Like a Kyle yeah. Drabeck. Egg. <laughs> oh, <it's crap>. yeah. <laughs> that was a great hook. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be quiet now. <laughs> hey, so Jonathan I, left. Where'd he go? <laughs> so I, I'm very uh, close to the way Jonathan kind of alluded to it. Now, I will say this. Robbie's the master of, of opportunity prediction, right? It, there's very few people that I've played fantasy baseball with that get ahead of opportunity better than Robbie does. Uh, that Thank said, you, I usually take the approach that Jonathan does to help predict opportunity. And that's, I do a lot more test. I test video test. I, I scout my guys a little bit differently. Um, and, and I, and I'm doing that in advance, especially in the deeper formats. Like, you know, there's guys that were willing to give Tyler O'Neill to me for nothing. Right. You know, Ronnie Roto, where are you at, buddy? Hello. Um, so, you know, that's definitely some of those things that, um, you know, I, I like to take advantage of. So I don't find myself in the scenario a lot where the opportunity doesn't come about because either I've scouted them properly or I've scouted them incorrectly. And and so the, this patience for opportunity doesn't generally happen in the way that I build my teams. Um, and so it's just a gray spot for me. So I, I don't have a great generic answer, but I, but I usually, if I do find myself in that scenario and there's not playing time and it doesn't look like playing time is going to happen, I'm pretty quick to cut bait regardless of at bats. Okay. And then for, for myself here, um, one of the things that I absolutely look for is the, the team's 40 man roster. So if a guy has been put on the team's 40 man roster, and we talk about this every off season, so this isn't late breaking news for anybody. If you've been listening for a while, you have heard this. It just may not have stuck, but now it's just the refresher course here. Look to see who teams keep and protect from the rule five draft. Look to see who players get in the rule five draft. Akil Badu is a prime example this year of a guy who was picked up in the rule five draft, started hot. Everybody got real excited. Something that we had talked about before with Badu was strikeout concern. Well, what has happened, you know, from spring training, which is him taking walks to, major league baseball is him no longer taking walks and just swinging away um, and having some good individual games with limited at bats as well has built this up as like, Oh, a kill is really good. I'm not cutting a kill Badu. 
right? Because there's no way that I own him anywhere and he cost me a lot. If anything, I've been stuck with Akil Badu as his stock has dropped. So I'm not going to get rid of somebody who's on my roster like that who has finally got into Major League Baseball. Now, if it's through the Rule 5, it's different because they have essentially failed the organization they were drafted with or you know most recently traded to and then been exposed to the Rule 5 draft. Those are guys that I look to acquire where other teams are still interested. Kai Tom was somebody we were kind of interested to see how he would go, um, but he was dropped by Oakland and then pit, picked up by the Pirates, and the average is like below 100. But the point is that if I'm looking at one of those Rule 5 guys, I'm giving them more leash than I will um, Edwin Rios with the Dodgers, who I just don't think there's a long-term play for him there. Matt Beattie is a similar guy. He's a streamer. You know, you love him to do well, but you don't think, oh, he is their future this, because he's not. Not with the Dodgers. The Dodgers have legitimate ball players basically in positions today with long-term contracts or on the cusp of the minors that look like they can go up. Like Kyber Ruiz hit a home run the other day, uh, played played for the day with a doubleheader, and then got gets sent back down. Like, or well, I think he's going to get sent back down. I shouldn't say for sure he is, but that's like the kind of depth the Dodgers have. So I'm not going to go and get some like streamer catcher that comes up for the Dodgers randomly. That guy's got nowhere to go. So I look for those things. And then as, to Jonathan's point about looking at stuff, it's important to know who's beating the odds and who's behind. So if, if someone's beating the odds and coming up like Steven Matz getting the wins and you don't necessarily believe in them, well, once they turn into that pumpkin or once, you know, they start to suck or whatever, you need to know that that would, that should have been coming in the first place, but I wouldn't cut bait if they've got off to that hot start, I would just like let it roll. But if it's on the other end and they suck and they should be better, Robbie Ray's line is it, you know, just to pick another blue Jay. Um, he's somebody who I think could by the end of the season be a top 100 pitcher, but do it in somewhat of a disappointing fashion where he's got some great outings and he's got some real stankers. So let's go to a quick one here, gentlemen. Uh, Soto or Vlad, who you got? Vladdy Jr. Um, I have been very, very pleased with what we've seen from Vladdy. Um, you know, the the tools are are elite. And what we've seen this year is approach to really unleash, I think, what everybody has thought is in there. I'm The, the stat line speaks for itself, but what I see is a is a fit and confident ball player. Um, and Juan Soto is a fantastic ball player. And, you know, in the interest of, you know, full disclosure, if I'm a manager picking a ball club, I perhaps take Soto because of the athleticism on defense. Um, but this is fantasy baseball we're talking about. And Vladdy Jr. to me is on a track to be a Miggy Cabrera type with, you know, triple crown potential. Um, so I'm feeling very happy as a Blue Jays fan. And it's Vladdy Jr. all day for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to second the Vladdy one. And it, it's very simple for me. It comes down to the power differentiation like i i tend to agree soto might end up being the better ball player at the end of the day uh but in terms of fantasy ownership gotta love uh you know vladdy's upside gotta love the power gotta like what he can do from there all right well gentlemen you're both wrong it's soto uh <clears throat> ty this one's for you kluber always starts slow and he's on my waiver wire do i pick him up i mean the answer is yes do we not okay. see what he did this week Yep, he he is he is pitching um, good. Yeah, so yeah, pick I mean, him up. Kluber's got stuff. I mean, stuff was never Kluber's problem, right? It's Help. just whether he can stay healthy or not. That's the risk that you're going to take with a guy like Kluber, and I think he'll reward you. 
and and the ballpark doesn't necessarily favor him but we're also getting a lot of cold conditions cold starts right now so let's just take advantage of of it and again if he's on your wire it's not like you've invested anything into him other than whomever you dropped it dropped and maybe you only have x number of pickups a week um hoffman will have a two-star week next week now we get to update some of these things which is fun um which has been confirmed his stat line prior to tonight's start was um two and two with a 333 era he had a bit of a rough one um up against the white Sox, who i thought would have been crying in their uh own tears over the loss of luis robert to go along with you know ila jimenez and all these other things but they they appear to be capable of lighting him up so what are we thinking on hoffman now because we've been discussing it regularly um do we recommend buying him yeah, yeah. I, I'm, go ahead, Jonathan. No, you know, I, I mean, for me, and you'll probably have a, a deeper dive on the actual, you know, performance of Hoffman. But one of the things that also makes me uncomfortable is how Cincinnati has played their ball games. I mean, even the starting pitchers that have performed well um, have also been, you know, sometimes undermined by the performance of the bullpen, which has great arms, but like That's hasn't always, you know, hasn't always delivered the wins. So I think when you combine the topsy-turvy line now of Hoffman with the fact that Cincinnati's struggling to get the wins across the finish line, there may be other places you're looking to go. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I expect to see the, reg the the regression here, and I think that's the time to buy. I've dropped him where I own him, but I expect to – or traded him, him to me or <laughs> traded <laughs> him to me. Exactly. And so I will, I mean, I'm happy with the trade that we made. You, you get what you need. I got what I needed. And, and that's a good trade. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, Hoffman will bounce back uh, whether Cincinnati has the patience to wait for him. That's, that's the, the variable in my mind. But like I said, in the off season, I don't think you make the trade for Tyler Stevenson, a guy that was producing out of your bullpen to get a guy that you're eventually going to slide into your bullpen. So I really think for multiple reasons, they have zero depth in Cincinnati at the starting pitching position. I think they're going to run him out there regularly, as long as he doesn't leave the game like he did tonight on a consistent basis. So I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're making changes and I think you'll see the production come around. But if we get to June, July and we don't see the changes, I would be very concerned, but I'm, I've, I've said before that I think June one, is the kind of timeline I'm looking at. Yeah, so tonight it was two and a third tie, four uh, earned runs, one walk, which was a, a switch up from last the previous performance against the Dodgers where we had discussed the fact that he was going to nibble his way around the lineup, and then he did. Uh, tonight in the two and a third, he had four strikeouts, but he did give up a dinger. I don't remember if it was a three-run shot or not. Uh, and then Jose De Leon, who was the other high K guy, who was possibly competing for that fifth spot, um, but has since lost out. He came in after for one and one and two thirds innings, but gave up three runs himself. So I feel like Hoffman's safe in that role. And we had talked about, I mean, we've said it so many times already. If in a perfect year, Hoffman would have 30 starts. I feel like you could go into 2022 and say, Hoffman is someone I would roster because in a daily lineup league, I would probably start him 20 of the 30 times he's going to start. And, and that's a top 100 pitcher to me. And we're letting him hang out with the Spincinnati coaches 
and see the goodness that can come from that this year. And as Ty, you had talked about before, whether it was recorded or capped or whatever, um, you know, they were able to help out Bauer. They were able to help out Sonny Gray. Now it looks like they need to help out Hoffman and Castillo. They got to get those boys back on the right track. Let's dive in. They need less spin. Just saying. Maybe let's get into a little prospect chatter here. Um, Arizona prospect Corbin Carroll outfielder. Is he going to be a complete player or more likely a defensive replacement? I'm pursuing him in a trade. I mean, I'm out on Corbin Carroll. Like it's just not a guy I target. Um, I think, you know, the, the prospect capital he carries right now is far too high to chase him yep. for the production, right? Like, I mean, I think, Rob, you've talked about it in the past, Magical as a comparable kind of upside, right? I think he, yeah. you know, that's a it's high average on low power. But we like, haven't seen the upper minors production yet. So until we see that, like, it's very hard to say that this contact tool, like if you look at at the, the um, scouting grade for the hit tool, it's 35 out of 70, right? I mean, that's a long way to go to become magical. And and that's at the lower minors. Like I would like to see some confidence in, in the contact at that point, still young high school hitter. Right. And, and we've talked about it in the past, the failure rate of high school hitters. So, you know, I'm just, there's, there's too many red flags here. If I own him, I'm selling him. And so if you're pursuing him in a trade, you should wonder why that, that this guy's available. If he's such a highly regarded prospect. I agree with that also. The only thing I think is maybe an additional question to ponder, Carol does have plus plus speed. Um, and, you know, especially in five category formats and even in points formats, um, you know, the ability to put up something in that steals category, as he's shown he'll probably do, is something that's highly desirable. But I also am skeptical of the hit tool. Um, there's a lot being said about the idea that he's adding power, but I think he's always more of a contact hitter. And of course, you can't steal first base. Um, so like you, I think, you know, the prospect rating way outweighs um, the actual arc of his potential right now. I concur. Yeah, I, it seems to me that everyone's forgotten that Nick Madrigal was uh, drafted high, highly touted, came up, and now he's kind of this average only box he's been put into in fantasy and i had thought before the season that larusa was gonna the old school part of larusa's game was gonna really help out and he was gonna say you know look look nick you got to turn that lineup over and you need to get on second so if you're gonna hit your single that's fine but you need to steal the base and if there's two out i want you stealing because you're the ninth hitter so when you know anderson's coming up i would rather anderson come up with you not on base in a new inning or on second, if there's two out. So get yourself to second. But but that just hasn't happened. But with Corbin Carroll, I'm thinking, well, an outfielder without power needs to needs to hit well, needs to move himself around the diamond, which, you know, to your point, Jonathan, he's going to have to with that speed. If not, he's going to find himself as um, a defensive replacement. What uh, Was it Dwayne Wise? Was that the... That's right. I'm thinking of? Rajai That's Davis. Right. They That's all end right. up in Toronto for a brief period of time. That's what Corbin <laughs> Carroll could become is one of those guys who Brett Phillips might be another one of those dudes who just has bits and bobs of success, but not a proper starting job with, you know, 550 at bats for three straight years. That's, that's the concern with Carol for me because of the, the potential lack of power. Um, this was a new one that, you know, we've recorded many times as we've said, this is a new one that somebody had said uh, in a 
fantasy baseball universe thing on Facebook that I, I found fascinating. They said average is a terrible stat to have in five by five. And so my question is, is average a bad stat for fantasy? We hear about people switching their leagues to OBP and using OPS. So if you're in a larger format, it might be eight by eight or six by six and you use OPS. Um, what do you guys feel about average as far as fantasy? Is it a good indicator of a player's ability is OBP or OPS better thoughts, Jonathan, to you? I, I mean, th I think this question can be answered, you know, one of two ways. I mean, whether or not it's the best indicator of a player's skill, I mean, I'll leave to maybe more, you know, mathematically minded people, but I think we're talking about baseball here and, you know, baseball and batting average, I think, I at least recognize batting average as a traditional and legitimate measure of a player's success. So I really enjoy leagues that expand the categories. I know I've spoken to the two of you. I think you're in an eight by eight league, um, which sounds like it's really fantastic for a number of reasons. Um, but I don't know that you need to like throw out the baby with the bathwater um, and get rid of the traditional batting average altogether. Yeah, that um, that line of throwing out the baby with the bathwater, that's terrible. <laughs> that, that poor child. Uh, so ty what are your thoughts on i have that? no children if you can't tell <laughs> i hope it's not because you did that <laughs> i've always had no children okay, okay great. yeah i mean for me I, I don't look at batting average specifically i'm looking at contact right i i think okay. that's that's a more interesting underlying stat for me like, but is it a bad stat for fantasy like would uh, no, you prefer it be launch angle? You know what I mean? Like, no, what no. Like, I mean, for me, like batting average is an indicator of their ability to produce, right? I mean, if right. you don't have a batting average, you can't create runs. You can't create RBIs. Yes. There are some guys with insane slugging percentages that, you know, the Joey Gallo we talked about earlier is a guy yeah. that fits into that category, but the success rate in, in a category format that, you know, the eight eight is an exposure. It's part of what I like about the eight eight is that it exposes those tools that are just power only because you lose in the K's odds are most of them don't have a great eye at the plate. Cause they're swinging hard, swinging miss rates up um, average hurts and in OPS is, is good, but not great. So, you know, neutralizes it. So for me, the hit tool sets the tone for everything else. And it's, it's one of my favorite underlying, you know, pieces of the puzzle that predicts success that I like to focus on. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think like, if we're going to talk about something that needs to be changed in five by five. So if we're counting the 10 categories, average is not in that conversation for me, it would be wins pitcher wins. Uh, that's mm -hmm. the one. And that's a different conversation that we can get into because there are a lot of variables within that, but people that are complaining about average, I think are people that believe they are better than the leagues that they're playing in. And for those guys, I say, join us, go into the big formats get into the 20 team, get into the 24, step into a 30 team league and see how you do with five by five categories or six or eight. Um, see how that works out for you. Cause you need to know what, what works and what doesn't work. And if you're saying something as simplistic as the average, so the successful at bat is not relevant. Then I, I, you know, I, I think OBP isn't the answer. I, I think you need to go to the OPS with average as Ty has done in our home league. And I just love that because that allows more complete hitters to succeed. So you're rewarding a guy to take a walk. You're also rewarding a guy 
who smashes the ball really hard. So um, a quick one here, uh, Altuve or Julio Urias in a 14 team, six player keeper. Uh, Ty, who would you take in that? I'm going to go with take? Altuve because that's the guy I got in this trade. Um, oh, okay. And, and I'm, I'm sticking by it, even though, you know, the early returns are <laughs> in the week. Not working. Yeah, <laughs> Altuve has one hit and uh, Urias had a, had a good outing, but he, he pitched against Milwaukee. So, Pretty much everybody except for the Dodgers has gotten wrecked by by Milwaukee. But um, you know, I, I think I think by the end of the season you will see some of the flaws in Urias. Um, I, I took the trade because it it gave me flexibility with my position guys. I like what it does uh, in the league, and Urias just scares me at this point. Like, there's just too much soft contact happening with him that I'm very concerned it's going to turn into hard contact as, as the scouting gets around on him. On a previous recording that did not get to air, uh, I swear after this episode, we won't be talking about that fact again. <laughs> you were discussing, Ty, a strategy in that league, which was collecting all of the second base eligible players. Yeah. I have um, four second base. There you like go. I have, I have Altuve, uh, Biggio, Hap, and Brandon Lau. And so the latter of those three all play at least three positions. So the flexibility <laughs> that I have in that roster, the flexibility other teams will require later in the season as the injuries start to pile up. I, I am sitting on house money and I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to acquiring good players later. Once, once people realize that they should have accepted the buy early options on these guys, because they almost that entire group has struggled to start the season. Absolutely. But they've struggled, again, we've yeah. talked about it multiple times in this show. Regression to the mean is coming. Those guys will all be fine. They're all very good baseball players. And you throw Ryan Mountcastle, who's also on that roster with cool, multiple that... positions into there. There's lots of depth that I have flexibility on that I'm super excited about. If you don't mind, what is your record in the home league right now after four weeks? Um, two and two. Two and two. But okay, I, okay. I couldn't both, remember. But both weeks that I lost were by fractions. Um, and, and really, like considering I've been hurt, I've been slow starts. I'm I'm pretty happy being two right. and two because it could have been a lot worse. Okay, um, so Jonathan, who do you want if you're not Ty? If you're not trying to collect all the second base eligible players, uh, do you want Altuve, who is 30, right, Ty? Is that right? 30, 31. I mean, he's he's half of a 30 year old, <laughs> right? Yeah, his, his physically. <laughs> and then you got you got the one eyed wonder in Julio, um, who's 23 ish. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head right there by alluding to the age. I mean, when I see Urias, I see a 24-year-old pitcher who's now approaching 300 innings and is pitching to a 3.16 ERA. Um, and, you know, he's somebody who, you know, at 24, has pitched over parts of six seasons. So, you know, 276 innings is, you know, maybe a season and a half um, or three seasons in the modern day. But <laughs> it's over a long enough, or it's, it's over a long enough time and you know including playoff results that i think you know we've kind of seen um we've kind of seen what we could expect to get from Urias, if you ask me um and i like the longer term value obviously of the profile of him as a pitcher at that age and with a ball club that stands to win 90 plus games for the foreseeable future um so i think it's Urias for me i, I will say this he has a career high 8.2 barrel rate 8.2%. Like that, that's the piece that concerns me. Like it's substantially higher than his career average. The wipeout just isn't where I'd like it to be. The walk rate is down. There's things to like, 
Um, the hard hit rate is is what scares me. Um, it's creeping up to league average, and I think I got above league average return in that trade. So, like, that's the way I'm looking at it is there's just some underlying question marks. Like, I, I would love to be wrong because I love Julio Rios. Like, I do. He's one of my core guys. But this is just me hedging my bet because I own him in several places. Okay. I'd love you to be wrong, too, because I like Urias, um, and I own him in in – leagues as well so i i prefer him to altuve and i've never owned altuve and dynasty i don't even know if i have the trade as well i wanted i wanted to own him once yeah yeah like i and i feel like for him it's always been because he's been so valuable and as we talked about in the offseason people have just forgotten that and Mm -hmm. uh if anybody watched in new york tonight boy did he get a round of applause yeah but you know at the end of the day i will be happy to be sitting there waiting with a ha (laughs) okay final oh my goodness final question uh this episode's gonna hit somewhere around 90 minutes so interesting um who could be the blue jays utility guy so jonathan you are joining us again from uh your clubhouse fame with the toronto blue jays that is Is right fan club is that what it's called i believe it's the fan club but you know with the kind of predictions we're putting out we might not have to find more sophisticated name for what we are i think every time you ask quite well lately well, every time you ask before a game what the prediction is that I've been part of, I'm like, well, the Jays lose. <laughs> and it's not that I want the Jays to lose, but it's like, well, I don't I don't like this matchup. You know, I don't like something about it, and I'm fearful. Um, but who could be the utility, the Jays' u- legitimate utility guy? If they're going to pick a dude, is it Santiago Aspinall? Is it Lourdes Gurriel Jr.? Is it Kevin Biggio? Who do you think? Now, we've seen Biggio up and down that lineup. He's everywhere. Um, Espinal just keeps getting stuck in the back third of that lineup, and, and he's hitting. He's not getting power, but he's hitting. And then Lourdes, good Lourdes, who has formerly, once upon a time, been a major league shortstop. Yeah, and, and you know, it's an interesting question because I think with what's been going on with the ball club the last few weeks, um, and specifically the way we've seen Kevin Biggio used in the outfield and, you know, all over the infield, um, you your mind kind of goes to that place, but it's actually been in conversations with the two of you where that option of Lourdes Gurriel really starts to look like an attractive one. Um, and I think when you talk utility, you know, we, we think about the glove, you know, a guy like Johnny McDonald comes to mind, um, but a utility ball player can also be somebody with a plus bat. Um, and Guriel will give that to you at pretty much any of the positions on this ball club that he's likely to be used in. Um, so, you know, partially thanks to the both of you, and I know you for sure, Abby, um, Guriel definitely seems like a good option to me, but I wonder whether or not Biggio is the more likely option. Yeah, I've been really consistent on this one all offseason. I think Lourdes is the obvious trade guy in this lineup. He's too streaky. He doesn't provide the valuable defense that Randall Gritchick does. Uh, he doesn't provide the pop that Teoscar does. He's obviously not better than uh, that guy we signed in the offseason. So, you know, for two me, games, Springer, is that the guy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, he still has more distance in home runs than, than Lourdes does. Because uh, that one he hit went for days. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the issue here for me is, is more or less. <laughs> I think Biggio has been destined for left field for a long time on this roster. I think that's the, the position they're going to do. They, they need to trade Lourdes while they can get value because you've got multiple outfielders or guys that are going to transition to the outfield coming, Biggio being one, Austin Martin being the other obvious one. So, like, you need to cash in on the capital. 
and you need to turn him into a pitcher. And I think the length of his contract remaining is the right guy to trade. He's the worst defensively. He provides no power. He's not consistent enough in a hit tool scenario to be a guy you can lean on to get on base. So what value does he give you other than a couple hot streaks throughout the season? He's got amazing hair. He does have great hair. Like we can all agree on that. Vanity metrics. Maybe he's got a lot of swagger. He's got a pina power. Yeah. So he needs to pair up with CJ Wilson, get into those shoulders, (laughs) right? Like get into the, with the Polamalu crew and, and get it done. But you know, it's obvious for me because I think, Biggio becomes the the bounce around guy. And I think I've said this before. I really believe we're going to see Jordan Groshans this season. Um, I really think we're going to see him Um, on that prospect note. uh, Nate Pearson did pitch tonight in Buffalo 3.2 innings, eight strikeouts, 73 pitches as they ramp him back up. He will be an addition to that blue Jays rotation very shortly. Yeah. Headed to the waiver wire in my redraft leagues, headed to the waiver wire immediately. Uh, I, I would certainly say give him give him two more rotation spots and give the Jays two more weeks and they'll probably want him up. But I feel like they'll do it where they're going to they're going to give him a repeat performance at 90 plus pitches in Buffalo before they do that. Um, Austin Martin, also speaking of Jays prospects, did have I think it was a dinger in his first at bat, his first pitch as a pro. At least it was a hit. It was something he did a good thing with a baseball when he had a bat in his hand and that was fun. Uh, but for me, I'm back on this issue. I'm picking uh, BGO to be roster fodder, sadly. And that has more to do with the fact that he needs to go back to that double a approach. He had when he had 20 dingers uh, and a bunch of steals and other things, but the eye wasn't the sole focus where he was just taking a million pitches and forcing strikes. He needs to be able to hit the ball in different spots in the zone. Um, Espinal is Ryan Goins, and that's a good thing because it's good to have a guy like that around. And when he does hit well, it's a bonus. But I don't want Espinal as a regular, especially not at third base. We need a power-hitting guy at third base. And as Ty said, he's not on our roster today. I just don't know that it's going to be Groshans. I'm just saying I don't like the third base as I see it. And to me, Lourdes is a great guy to start moving around because of that. Um, pedigree, that ability to play major league infield and move him. And as well, like Ty said, he's not necessarily providing you with a lot of pop here, great defense here. So he can be moved around. And when he's hot, you get him in the lineup. And when he's not, it's not like you're hurting your team to have him withheld. It's just that what the team needs is not on the roster. Like it's healthy Springer for sure. Cause you need to be able to force the hand of who are the eight core guys. Who are they? When you're all healthy, what is it? Because for, even for fantasy owners, for ourselves, Biggio is captivating. In salary leagues, he's typically going to be, depending on your league, he's going to be on a third contract or he's going to be on some value contract where you cannot put him in the minors, but he's not getting it done for you in categories leagues. Um, and and you, you got to do something. And then, I mean, for the Jays themselves, they need to get, get the outfield somewhat solidified so we know if it's going to be Gritchick and right if it's going to be tay oscar if it's going to be springer like we just kind of need to know but the more these guys move around early in the season the better it is for us fantasy owners because they pick up position eligibility <laughs> that's right absolutely and, and i mean i think uh groshans went one for four with uh two walks tonight in new hampshire so like i said i i don't think kevin smith is going to be the reason he doesn't get a shot this season so I, i'm gonna stick with that uh Biggio is destined for triple a if he continues on the path that he's on right now we've got forest wall and palacio sitting in triple a there's zero reason 
for Bijou to continue doing what he's doing at the major league level. Yeah, this so. is a team that wants wins. That's just right. like it, us fantasy owners, we want wins. That's right. And just a reminder uh, before we, we sign off here that Sunday, again, let's get fabulous. Uh, make sure you're joining us for the Sunday live stream. Live questions on the show uh, now that we have the super fancy technology to pull those things off. So make sure that you join us for that. Um, if you ask dumb questions, we will call you out on that. Um, so bring smart questions. We will give you smart answers. But until then, Jonathan, thank you for joining us Joining us again yes, to reshoot you. this episode. Um, uh, we look forward to many, many other chats in the future, both on Clubhouse. Make sure you head over. Join the Blue Jays, the Toronto Blue Jays fan club on Clubhouse. Uh, follow the three of us, which uh, you'll find very easily if you're in that club. So get over there, follow the club, uh, join as a member, and we will see you there. So until next time, Tyler, Rob, it's Dingers. <laughs>